All right, well, good morning. What an awesome morning, huh? What an awesome morning. That's so great. Well, my name is Josh Locke, one of the elders here, and um, we're going to continue our series uh, on, on Fulfilled, and we're looking at prophecies from the Old Testament about Jesus' coming and how God fulfilled them in his word. The, the title of the message today is, is All We Need. So uh, I thought I'd start with a little Christmas story for all of you. Um, so how many of you, show of hands, have siblings in this room? Okay. How many of you have younger siblings? Okay. How many of you have younger brothers? All right, some of us. Okay, so you'll, you'll get this right away. Um, and those of you don't, you'll get it too. So I, I have a younger brother. His name is Jared. Um, and this is probably, I was 10, 11, 12, somewhere around then. And it's Christmas morning, and we're opening up gifts. And I open up a PlayStation video game. Uh, it was the Matrix PlayStation video game. I didn't ask for that. I mean, we were like kind of into video games, not like a huge thing. And my mom loves to buy gifts for us, but she would never just buy us a video game. So we just, you know, opened it. It was like, okay, you know, whatever. I come to find out that the reason my mom bought me that gift was because my little brother Jared told my mom that I wanted that gift. <laughs> but I did not want that gift. He did. So you, you, know, you just have to applaud the effort with that. That's, that's, just, that's just awesome. All right, so... We are looking at prophecies, and today we're looking at Malachi 4, 5 through 6. So I'm going to read this for us. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So you probably hear that and you just think like, tis the season, like Merry Christmas, right? This is like your classic Christmas prophecy. No, it's not. Um, just like my story really has nothing to do with this message, this seems like it has nothing to do with Christmas at all. But trust me, it's there, and we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. So, some, some context. We're talking about Elijah, and you're thinking, oh, cool, Elijah, that, he, that prophet came. He did. He came actually hundreds of years before this actually happened. Right? So it's not even speaking about that. When Malachi says these words, there's about a 400-year gap where God is pretty much silent for the Israelites. God doesn't speak at all, which is which up till this point, God speaks through his prophets. So there's this, this silence that's happening. I was thinking about it. So in the morning, I've been trying to wake up um, a little early before my kids are up, and we've, we've three boys. Um, and you know, it's, it's like usually wild and it's usually loud in my house, and that's just that's awesome. That's kids. But in the morning, it's so nice, it's so peaceful. No one's up. I'm sitting with a cup of coffee, and you know, I read my word or the news or whatever. Um, and my kids are not allowed to get out of bed until 6.50. They might be up, but they're reading, so they're quiet. Uh, but I know when 6.50 happens, because at 6.50 on the dot, there's a thud, because my middle child, Andrew, jumps out of his bunk bed onto the ground, and that just starts the day. That's the start of my day is when that thud happens. But that's like there's the silence that happens, and then this prophecy is fulfilled in Luke 1. It's, this is about John about John's coming before Jesus. And, and that's like that breaking of silence. But the reason we do this, and I thought this was important for us you know, as a body to look at these prophecies, why, why do we do this? You know, I, I think this is a good exercise for us. And I use the word exercise because it's not always fun. But when we read the word and we read what God says, and then later we see what God said is true, it's just like a muscle. We're just looking at the word saying, God said it, and it's true. When God says it, we know it's true. We know it happens. So when we, th- we see things like 
there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, we know God's word said it, so we know it's true. And that's why we do this. We're working this muscle today as we go through it. This is one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not turn to, return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word. This is God talking. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it's sent. Right? When God says something, we know it's true, and we know we can, we can have that confidence in it. So let's look at the fulfillment in Luke 1, starting in verse 13. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So did you catch that? That John will come in the spirit and the power of Elijah? Right, so we see 400 years ago, God says this. He gives, John, he gives this calling, and then John comes, and it's true. It's fulfilled. In Matthew 3, we see exactly that happening. John is preaching. Pastor Greg talked about this. He's preaching. He's calling people to repentance. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is near. He's this messenger that was sent from heaven to prepare the, the Israelites for, for Jesus. Right? Because for 400 years, a lot happened. They were taken over. They got it back. It's just like there's this whole timeline you could look at. A lot of stuff happens, and it's easy to lose sight. And I think that's what happened. The Israelites lost sight of God. And John is this forerunner. He comes before, and he's saying, hey, get your focus back. Get your focus back because something is happening. So we see God fulfilled his word. Right? That's that muscle. God said it. 400 years later, it comes true. It happens. And there's one other thing that really excited me. I, I just wanted to share. So I love when I see God weave pictures of Jesus into the Old Testament. He, he takes Jesus without telling us, and he says, here's, here's a picture of Jesus, and, and he's coming. So if you look, Elijah and Elisha are, are one right after the other. Elisha came after Elijah. Elisha had the double portion of, of uh, the spirit. And Elijah and John both came first. They both came to proceed and to prepare people. And Elisha and Jesus came afterwards. Right? But whereas Elisha healed sick people, Jesus healed countless more. And whereas Elisha multiplied food for a hundred, Jesus multiplied food for thousands. Whereas Eli- Elisha raised someone from the dead, Jesus waited four days and raise someone from the dead. And Elisha, he caused this axe head to float on the water. Jesus walked on water. Right? So we see this picture that God is saying, someone is coming that is even better. And that's Jesus. Right? So Jesus is the true and better Elisha. And I just think that, I, I love to see that in the Old Testament. If you look at the Old Testament with that lens, you'll see Jesus in a lot of different places. Right? So what does this mean for us? Why are we studying these, 
frankly, obscure passages in, in Malachi. I mean, it's hard sometimes. So let's look back at, at the prophecy fulfilled. Luke 1, 16 and 17. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So I took two takeaways from this, two things that we can walk away, from, walk away with. The first is that John was called by God. Right? John had a calling that God, God gave him. Pastor Ed and Pastor Greg the past couple weeks have talked about our purpose, our calling. Pastor Greg said that we're called to be messengers, just like John. The second point is, no, it was from God's provision. It was from God's strength that John was able to accomplish what he needed to, that he was able to fulfill his calling. Right? God gave John the spirit and the power of Elijah. God gave him the Holy Spirit even before he was born. And I think the truth is, for all of us, we've been given a purpose. Right? God has given us a purpose, and God has given you all you need. So, so God, 400 years before John showed up, gave this, this prophecy, this calling for John, and then it came true. And in the same way, God has said something about each and every one of us here in his word as well. If we look at Ephesians 2, 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Right? God has given us a calling. God has given everyone in here a calling. We're called to be his masterpiece. We're called to be created anew. And we're called to do good works. And God has given us his provision to do that. If you look right before in verse 8 of Ephesians, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Right? It's not that I'm able to, I have all of these skills myself. I'm able to do these good things. So I'm able to do it? No, it's God takes the credit. God has provided what we need. So God gives us the provision of what we need. And if we look at the life of Mary, we can see this exact thing played out. So in Luke 1, 31, the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to give birth and you're going to have a son. He's going to be the son of God, right? That's huge. That, I can't even imagine an angel coming to me and saying that. But God gives Mary a calling. And then what does he give Mary to fulfill that calling? He gives her a partner that will stay with her. He gives her the stable. And you're like, well, that was barely, barely enough. It was, it was barely enough, but it was still there. And he gave her safety. Probably not safe for an unwed young woman to be pregnant walking around. And Joseph, Joseph had a calling as well. Matthew 1, the angel in a dream says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Right, so Joseph had, was given a clear calling, and God said, here's what you need. He gave him the dream. He gave him the confidence to follow that dream. I think there's a common thread we can see in all of these things. So John, Mary, and Joseph, they were all given a purpose. I picked these characters. I, I think it's interesting. John's purpose was this lifelong thing. From birth, it was like, this is what you're meant to do. And, and we have those. Mary's calling was just out of nowhere, and it was huge. It was life-changing for her. And then Joseph, not trying to diminish it, but it was, it was pretty small. The angel basically said, take Mary as your wife, which you were going to do anyway, 
and just continue to live your life, right? So it's not a huge calling that Joseph had. And yet, sometimes we have things that God calls us to that aren't big as well either. I remember I was in a church service years ago, this worship service, and I just felt like God said, Josh, I want you to go outside and sit on the front step. So I did. I sat there for about five minutes, and then he was like, you can go back inside now. That was it. That was it. I have no idea why. Nothing ever came of that. But, I, but sometimes God has really small, and, and that was insignificant things that, that he asked for us. I mean, maybe that was me. Maybe that was a mistake. Um, but I, I think, I, think I, I heard from the Lord, and it was a very small calling. So Hebrews 13. Oh, hold on. I want to go back to that. So they all have different callings, but we know that God provides what they need. And it's the same for all of us. We all have different things, lifelong, huge things that we deal with, and even small things, that God provides what we need. Kevin and I were talking about this, this whole series and just brainstorming, and he said, you know, when, when he came to this passage, are you trying to do it in your own strength? And I think that's, that's really where God has us today. Are you trying to do whatever this is in your own strength? Because John, Mary, and Joseph didn't. They did it out of the provision that God had given them. Hebrews 13 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. I love that. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about what God provides you to be able to do. So how do we move forward? Because I think, this, I think the question is, are we trying to do this ourselves? Are we trying to walk out what God has for us? without looking to him, without looking to our source. I think we can move forward in God's provision by doing three things to start. So the first is to acknowledge God's place in your life. I was really, really struck by this in, in Luke 1, 38. So the angel says all this stuff to Mary. Hey, you're going to have a son, right? This is going to happen. Let's do this. And Mary's response in verse 38 says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Right? Mary's response was to acknowledge God's place in her life, that God is in charge, that it's God who's in control on the throne of our life. So that's our first step. Prayer. Prayer is a huge part of this, to submit to him, to ask for his direction. So some questions that came, came to mind, especially in, in this holiday season we're in, you know, maybe it's, God, where are you calling me today? Maybe it's who, who around you has needs. And we do that in prayer. And then lastly, so I've shared this before. I was a buckaroo in Royal Rangers. Does anyone know Royal Rangers here? That's right. It's like the ultra-Christian version of the Boy Scouts, but not nearly as cool uh, as, as the Boy Scouts. Like David, my brother-in-law, he, he tells me he goes on these trips, and they have, the Boy Scouts own islands. Do you know they own islands all over, the, like the land and stuff? The Royal Rangers had none of that. Uh, But anyway, it was still really good. So I had to memorize all these scriptures to become Bucker of the Year for Outpost 43. That was my my, um, claim to fame. And I memorized uh, 2 Corinthians 3.16, 
But verse 17, I, I guess I never just thought to, to read past it, but the, the 17 is really what, what stood out to me. It says, all scripture is God-breathed, or all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That, God uses his word to prepare us to do every good work. So what does your calling look like in this season? Pastor Greg shared that we're called to be messengers. Absolutely. What does that look like? Maybe lifelong you, you, you're thinking about that. Maybe specifically something big is going on. Maybe it's small. I'll tell you, I felt called. So I had this dentist appointment that you ever just push off your dentist appointments for a long time? Anyone else do that? So I had one that I pushed off um, for months. And I'm there at the dentist. And my dentist uh, is this young guy who I've, I've known since he started to talk to him and the, his assistants there as well. And I just felt led to like, invite them to, to Christmas Eve service. So sometimes it's just about who, like looking around. Who are you around maybe that you wouldn't normally be? Or who are you around maybe that you're, you're, you're usually around? I think Christmas highlights a lot of physical needs that are absolutely important. But there, that, that's a surface issue some of the time. You know, what does Christ look like to your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus at all? I know my neighbors, Dave and Cindy, don't know Jesus. What does Christ look like to them? Or what does it look like maybe for your friend who's a believer who's going through a real challenging experience or a diagnosis or something? Or what does love look like to that frazzled retail worker, right, who has no control over the shipping delays in California, but is facing the wrath of, of every customer because of that. What does love look like to that person? So what does your calling look like in this season? And we can move forward knowing that God provides what we need to do that. So we learn from studying the prophecies of Malachi that God fulfills his word, right? God said it, and then it came true. And we know that God provides for what we need as well. So I don't know where God is calling you. I think usually at this, this time of year, we're in maybe different circumstances than we normally would be. Different people are around us. Where is God calling you? And to move forward in God's provision, to take steps forward, it starts with acknowledging God's place in your life, like Mary did, saying, I am the Lord's servant. So that's my challenge for all of us today, to move forward with that calling, with wherever God is calling you, out of the strength that God provides. And I really believe it starts with that, that submission to God, to acknowledge God's place in our life. And as we close, I want to invite you to stand up with me. You know, something I, I've shared before is I really believe that praying the word is how Jesus talked to God. It's one of our most effective ways to pray. And so what I'd like you to do is read this out loud with me, this prayer, and then I'll close us in prayer. Are you ready? Your word says, for I am God's masterpiece. You have created me anew in Christ Jesus so I can do the things you planned for me long ago. God, I thank you 
that your word is true, that when you say it, it happens. God, help us to build that muscle of faith, to stand on the truth time and time again. When your word says it, it comes true. It happens. It's true. God, your word says that we are your masterpiece, that we are created anew in Jesus to do good things. It's not us. It's you. So we ask you, God, help us to take a step forward in your provision. Help us to acknowledge that you are God. You are on the throne of our life. Thank you, Lord, that it's you. It's not me. That I don't have to come up with these good works. That you will produce them in us. So for everyone here today, for everyone listening online, God, we just acknowledge you. You are our God and we are your servant. We want to walk out our calling and fulfill those good works. Thank you that it's out of your strength and not out of our own. You are all we need. We praise you, Lord. We exalt you. You are so good. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Christmas Sunday next week, Christmas Eve on the 24th. And if you would like prayer for anything, please come up. We would love to pray with you. Have a great week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.